I'm doing this Korean supper thing, uh, Korean you know supper club. It's it's more of a pop up dinner situation where, you know, um, I come up with a theme, invite some people, and, and go through it. Like here is a way that you could interact with the chef and kind of get their thought process versus just ordering from the menu, right? Hello. Welcome to The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. That was Hadi Shin. Hadi is a newcomer to Madison who has a rich and compelling history with food. He was born into a Philadelphia restaurant family, and he rediscovered his Korean-American food roots while living in Koreatown in Los Angeles. Here in Madison, he's been hosting an informal Korean supper club out of his home, and he's also been grappling with some pretty serious health issues that have led to restrictions on what he can eat. I am your host, Cap Times food writer, Lindsay Christians. I'm really excited for more people to know about Hadi. This man makes some of the best Korean fried chicken I have ever had, and he has this deep-seated passion for food that I found inspiring. Give a listen. Welcome, Hadi. Hi. Nice I am to be here. so glad that you're here today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so first of all, tell people a little bit about you. Yeah. Uh, my name is Hadi Shin. I'm Korean American. I was born in Philadelphia. Um, recently moved to Madison from Los Angeles last year in August. Um, work brought me to Madison. Uh, work in uh, healthcare technology, but I would say my passion is in food, um, and. Uh, that's kind of what brought me here today is, is just um, trying to see what I can do to help, you know, Madison's food scene and where I could contribute or, you know, play a part in. The way that I discovered you or found out about you was through something called PDA that happened in early May called, yeah. it was the Public Display of Asianness. Yeah. And it was Joanna and Joyce over at Saints yeah. uh, Madison. I think Francesca Hong from Morris Raman was yes. part of it. Um, obviously, Tori Miller was yeah. part of it from La Trois. He's got Korean-American roots as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Johnny Al- Hunter yeah. from Underground. Yeah, and uh, Alice Choi from uh, Oh, Alice Mom. Choi, hip yep. foodie mom, yep. for sure. Yeah. And her, you know, uh, presence is definitely yeah. rising as well. Yeah. But I thought, I know all of these people, and I don't know this guy. Yeah. And so I started to go down the rabbit hole of your Instagram feeds yeah. and thought, my gosh, this guy's got a picture of himself with Michael Salamana from Zahav. <laughs> he must know yeah, a thing or Mike's, two. Mike's a good friend. Um, so it, it's it's this, like, mysterious uh, persona. Like, who's this Hadi Shin? You know, what is this uh, guy that's doing Korean fried chicken at a a fundraiser, you know, out of nowhere. And, um, you know, I was, I was approached by Francisca and Alice, um, cause, uh, you know, with, uh, Joe and her, um, fundraiser for liver cancer awareness, uh, they were looking to do, uh, an event and, um, they're looking for people to help contribute. And, um, I wasn't really well known in the Madison food scene, but I think, you know, some people started to like follow me through Instagram and, and noticed that I have a passion for cooking or ability to cook or, um, you know, Specifically, I realized when I moved to Madison, there was kind of a lack of Korean food. So a lot of it was me cooking the things that I craved that I missed from my time in L.A. So um, through that, people asked me, are you serious about trying to, like, do this a little bit more, um, you know, professionally? I'm like, I guess I'll give it a shot. So um, uh, I offered to make Korean fried chicken, which is a a twice-fried Korean chicken uh, with a little bit of soy and and, uh, gochujang, which is a little bit of spice. So 
Um, it was so a good. it was a it was a hit. Um, I didn't I apparently didn't make enough because it sold out within an hour, um, and it was it was really good. So people are like coming up to me. It's like I didn't have business cards. I didn't have a little sign. It's like who's this guy in a in a, you know uh, an apron just serving chicken? And I really didn't have a good answer because I really don't know where I'm at right now in the sense of uh, what I want to accomplish with the food that I, I make. Uh, I think a passion of mine was bone broth, Korean bone broth, which is called solongtang. And, you know, it, it's it's a process. They don't really do it here because it takes a lot of time to, to boil down the bones. And kind get of like good. ramen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, you know, definitely something that I'm, you know, trying to figure out. And I feel like, you know, a, a concept of, of doing like a stand at UW campus during the winter with like a to-go cup of nice that broth. so good. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where my head was. But, you know, you can't go wrong with fried chicken either. So there's little different things where... You know, there's the traditional Korean food that I'm passionate about, but also, like, there's other things that, um, you know, like fried chicken that is, is, is also amazing to, to kind of highlight. So you work in healthcare tech. How did you get into food? Tell me a little bit about that history. Yeah, so I, I feel like I'm a, a product of the restaurant industry. Um, my father is a chef, so I grew up in the restaurant industry. Um, started off with uh, working at delis, and then with my dad's restaurant, we owned a... It's kind of funny. We owned a Japanese restaurant, but being Korean-American on the East Coast, it was like they didn't know the difference as well as in the early 90s. Um, you know, Japanese food was on the rise. You know, everyone's like, oh, raw fish, sushi, this is so cool. And, um, you know, Korean food wasn't really well known at that point, um, only in like small areas of the Korean community. So in Philadelphia, um, we, were, we, we were one of the first... I guess, Japanese restaurants that kind of popped up on the scene and very successful doing that. And, um, you know, as a kid, I'd run around, technically not supposed to be, but like running around in the back in the kitchen. And once I was able to hold something, I could start peeling. You know, it's that typical, you know, immigrant uh, growing up in the restaurant, seeing, you know, it's, it's, it's wherever you can help, right? And um, it, was, it was a very interesting experience where all these things that just kind of just got you know, um, built into me and like growing up and, you know, my parents never wanted me to get into the restaurant industry. That's their thing. Um, you know, their, their hard work would be for me to go to college and, you know, that's why my day job is in tech, but you know, you grow up in it and you just, it's, it's just there, right? It's, it's like, it's wanting to participate in some way to honor that, you know, struggle that your parents went through. Like you, you, it's a part of your life. So how do you continue that part or, you know, do you just go away from it completely? So, L.A. has a pretty amazing Korea town. Um, tell me a little bit about your time in L.A. Yeah, um, I spent about four years in L.A. Um, originally, I lived the first year in the West Side uh, near Venice, and then I kept finding myself uh, making the drive to Koreatown, which is you know a pretty far drive from West L.A. Um, and especially when you're stuck in traffic. But every night, I would kind of make my way there. To experience Koreatown, it's it's like you're a little, it's you know you're in LA, you're in you know the states, but it almost feels like you are in Korea, a little pocket of Korea, and then you go to all these different types of restaurants, and um, you know it's not just the the bibimbap or just the the Korean barbecue. There's so many different little noodle shops or specialty shops that do these things that you know I didn't even know of growing up, and um, you know they're also on the forefront of making Korean American cuisine, um, you know, so, you know, usually there's not that much cheese in Asian food, 
or any at all. But like now that I'm seeing in LA, a lot of the bar foods are incorporating mozzarella cheese or some of the classics like kaibichin, which is a short uh, rib that's braised. They're throwing mozzarella cheese and torching it, and it's it's just amazing to see the kind of influence of LA Korean American cuisine and. Um, it's kind of where I'm also looking at things that I can, you know, hear that's specific to Madison and Wisconsin. You know, kimchi is very popular. You got brats, which brats and sauerkraut. And kimchi is pretty much a little spicy sauerkraut, and you can make something similar to that. Like, uh, you know, that is a mix of Wisconsin and Korea. And, um, you know, recently I did a kimchi mac and cheese with uh, brats. And, and those are the things that I'm kind of thinking of. How do I you know, bring Korean American food here in um, Wisconsin versus what it's experiencing in LA. So what are the things that I can, you know, take from my local surroundings with some Korean food and, and, you know, try something new. So that's kind of where um, I'm looking towards. I saw that you've got a supper club that you do sometimes, like a dinner club sort of thing, just a casual thing. Um, Tell me a little bit about what you've made for some of those events. Right. So um, there is, it's it's my Korean supper club that I started off, you know, something where I don't feel like I could open like a straight restaurant right now, but something I can control is having people over four seats on my uh, little kitchen in, uh, you know, East Madison and um, just show them personally what I can make in terms of Korean food, what, you know, uh, traditional Korean food is. Um, I think I did it the first time I did the, the Korean supper club, I did all the the major um hits like i did a um uh, kimchi jjigae i did the korean fried uh fried chicken i've done like um the uh grilled pork ribs um so there, it was just a a, a, a seafood pajeon pancake which is um hemu pajeon and you know it's korean pancake and it, there's those are the kind of traditional things you see on typical korean menus at korean restaurants but i kind of wanted to make it my own twist and it was it was something where um trying to see you know i'm trying to get to know who's who in madison's food scene and kind of just threw out the invite through people that i i might have known on social media and it's always interesting meeting people from you know the internet and just like it's like you're inviting someone to your home and hoping that everything goes well especially if you're cooking them a meal so um, you know, it's it's something where I would like to try to get it regularly where I could do this kind of supper club where I'm hosting a meal that's specific around um, uh, a, a dish or, or um, part of Korean cuisine or something else in, in, as well. I mean, it's not just Korean food I cook. I like to do Italian and, and Middle Eastern, Mediterranean. But right now, currently, my passion is in Korean food. So... Um, and I think one of the big things was the bone broth that I, I've been working on. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of opportunity here in Madison with, with um, those things that just aren't here yet. So, I noticed on your Instagram that you've been pretty public about your need for a kidney. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about about that, how, how that's affected your yeah. your food life. <clears throat> oh, man, it, it's, it's been a big change. Um, it it kind of came out of... Uh, Left field. I didn't know, you know, I had serious health issues. Um, I turned 30 a couple of years ago, and um, I kind of lost vision in my left eye, and I thought it was just through like looking at the computer screen for so long. So, um, I went to the to the doctors. They checked it out, and they noticed that it was um, diabetes in the eye. So I went to the ER, and you know, um, originally the main issue was high blood pressure. I was in a hypertensive crisis, and um, the diabetes. So, you know, I was admitted, things were looking better. 
Um, and, you know, a couple of my results were like, hey, you got to watch out for this, that. Um, and, you know, the kidneys weren't at a point where they were serious. But within a month of my follow-ups, I come back and it shot up drastically within a month, um, which it shouldn't have. Uh, and they were very confused as to what was happening. So they did a biopsy and it kind of showed seven different possible diagnoses as to um, what was wrong with my kidney. It wasn't just something that might have been like through diabetes or high blood pressure. It was like um, IgA nephropathy, uh, glumophoritis, all these other 25 character things that, Scary you know. Names. Yeah, which, you know, the thought was when I was transitioning from L.A. to, to Madison that, you know, I had about like five years before I had to worry about um, – a kidney transplant or dialysis, starting dialysis. Uh, once I got to UW um, for my doctors and, you know, got some checkups, they realized uh, within the time that I moved from L.A. to Madison, I drastically got worse, and I actually started feeling symptoms. So everything, like, going through this process was just numbers on a, a lab report. But when I started feeling symptoms, we did an emergency procedure to put a catheter in my chest, and I started dialysis in September when I moved, uh, a month after moving to Madison. It's been interesting in that, you know, um, the past year, just dealing with the ups and downs and, and um, uh, dialysis three times a week. And like I said, with the food, um, you know, originally being, finding out I was diabetic, there was things that you would watch out for, you know, sugars and, and monitoring carbs. But now that with the renal uh, diet in play with the kidney failure, there's other things that I have to watch out for. So Specifically, when you're a, um, a dialysis patient or have kidney failure, you have to watch out for things that would build up in your body, so um, like toxins. So you don't. It's very bad to have high sodium, high um, uh, potassium, as well as phosphorus in your diet. And I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of things that have sodium, phosphorus, and potassium in it. So you kind of restrict yourself to a very um, small menu of what you can and can't eat. You know, so for sodium, anything salty, because um, that makes you retain water, and, and that's the problem is retaining fluid, you know, as, as someone that doesn't have a kidney that's working as bad. Um, potassium can cause, you know, heart failure and, and different um, things if it builds up too much, and a lot of fruits are high in potassium. Avocados, you know, are are high in potassium. Um, and phosphorus, what kind of sucks is moving to Wisconsin, a lot of cheeses have has phosphorus in it. Dairy creams are, are high in phosphorus. So it was quite the learning experience for someone that's passionate in food, loving to cook, loving to dine out. It, I don't see it as a way to hinder it. It just makes it a little bit more challenging in how do I prepare food for myself to eat and make it exciting. You know, I can't use salt, so use some other herbs and spices. You know, I like using zatar. That's a, a very, you know, um, you sumac, know, sumac, sesame, and thyme. Yeah. There's salt in it, but yeah, yeah, well, yeah. So I mean, it's tiny just, bit. Yeah, so I mean, it's like monitoring that kind of intake. You know, finding the extra things to kick it up a little bit, and um, you know, it's 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 been challenging, but it's it's something I enjoyed the challenge of food, even though it's it's no longer. Um, easy to go out and just eat whatever I want and uh, being a little bit more cautious of that but I enjoy cooking others and it means I still can cook what I like to to eat and it's just I'm more strong-willed in, in cheating or, or you know trying to you know take sneak bites here and there but you know it's it's been fine so you can cook for other people yeah yeah I think um, whereas I used to have a hobby of always dining out fine dining or just like eating out I think now I'm appreciating cooking for others that's why I've been doing this supper club or this kind of idea of you know bringing Korean food to Madison in a way that you know it's not available currently are there things that you can't really have anymore that you miss 
I used to, you know, I, like my bone broth, I can't have a lot of it because even though it's it's bone broth, you know, it's just boiling bones and getting the nutrients out of it, it's calcium and all those things that uh, put a play, but you also add salt to flavor it. So, you know, it, it's very bland without salt and, you know, the Korean style bone broth is, is something, and as well as being a broth or soup, you know, it's that ex, uh, extra intake of, of liquids that I have to be careful for uh, of and, you know... Um, I guess I'm saving a lot of money by not eating avocado toasts so I could buy a house now that um, I've, I've cut out avocados. I think that was the thing. As a millennial, right? I, I shed that title now that I could buy a house, right? Uh, so that's been one of the benefits of, of kidney disease that, you know, avocados are gone. But, um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that um, you just you just crave, but it's not as important, you know, I think – the time that I'm spending here without, you know, cheating is, is much more time well spent than indulging in things that will, you know, take its toll on me and cause that pain, you know, so. If people want to follow you, your food, this this journey that you're going on with the kidney, where can they find you? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm mostly interactive in, in social media on Instagram and Facebook. Um, my main personal account with will have most of the kidney stuff is at HPSHIN at HP Shin on Instagram. Um, more of the food-centric uh, uh, items uh, would be, or the things that I cook or enjoy cooking or, or, or checking out would be at Hadi's Kitchen, H-A-H-R-I-S uh, Kitchen, Hadi's Kitchen, hashtag Hadi Can Cook or Hadi Eats. So I'm slowly building up the Hadi Eats Madison or Madtown, you know, kind of hashtag, but if you look at Hadi Eats, those are kind of the places I like to dine out and then, um, you know, how you can cook is specific to things that I enjoy cooking. I really hope to make it to one of those Korean yeah, supper clubs. Yeah, definitely got to get a little bit more of uh, you know rotation out and um, see how I want to plan it out in terms of uh, invitations and and, and um, kind of different um, foods to make. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, folks, find him on Instagram. It's really amazing. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. Our music was composed by Patrick Christians. Thank you to Nick Pelkowski of Your Podcast Guru for recording help this week. You can find Hari Shin at HP Shin on Instagram and on Facebook at Hari's Kitchen, where you can also follow this podcast at Corner Table Podcast. I am your host, Cap Times food writer Lindsay Christians. If you like what we're doing here, subscribe and let us know. I would love suggestions for upcoming shows. Next week, for example, Bob Haymauer will be talking about Sicily. And coming soon, I'm chatting with Katie Wire, a young chef doing some really cool things in Spring Green, Wisconsin. My wish for you this week is anything with Samjang, the spicy, nutty, salty Korean sauce I can't get enough of. Cheers! Cheers!